Previously on Gresh and Fourier. We would go to the Burger King in like Wakefield when they would do like the two for four Whoppers or whatever. And I think I ate like four of them. And one of my guys, it was either my man Nelson or Dewan Reeves, one of the two guys I played with. They were like, you couldn't eat more. And I'm like, I bet you 50 bucks I could eat six more. They went and bought them. I made the 50 bucks. We started going in the slide. I got stuck. This is Gresh and Fourier. I think the, the most important thing I can say is that it's expensive to have baseball players. To have the best. Andy Gresh. Charlie Coyle will waste the clock dry. The Bruins get a combined shot out from Lena Solmark and Jeremy Swayman. They have outscored their opponents in this five-game winning streak, 21-5. to five. Christian Fourier. Yeah, guys, step up. Yeah, Peyton come out, play really well. Grant came out and got hot, you know, and that's what we need. We're a team, so no matter who rolls the ball out or which team is, you know, doing what, I got, I got my money on the seas. I, I don't know if I can say that. Gresh and Fourier right now. Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow have been the class for a while in the AFC. They're still there. It's going to take a lot to catch up with them. On WEEI. Well, thank you, Tony Romo. That is among the many things we'll be getting into today on this Monday edition of Gresham Fourier and Good Grief. Foyer, it was a very busy weekend all around in the world of Boston sports. Mm. And let's start in our own backyard where last night the Bruins whooped up on terrible San Jose for nothing at the Garden. Linus Olmark with his 25th win of the year. He is the second fastest goalie in NHL history to 25 wins in a season and the man lost a skate. How does that happen at a professional you, level? Listen, you're asking me. I don't even know what the equivalent was. The I'm, funny thing is that he was talking about earlier. He said, oh, you know, I had issues with my skate earlier in the day. But we fixed it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you really? Did you really? Know? What is the equivalent? Like somebody not screwing in like the old screw-in cleats that you used to have. You used to put in with like a drill. They'd put this attachment on. Can I give you one? Maybe your shoelaces blowing up. Remember when Zion Williamson oh, blew yeah, out blew of his, his shoes? Yeah. It would be something like that. It would be like a, uh, honestly, it would be like a helmet coming unlatched. During a play. Yeah. And a guy's helmet Something, popping off like because the, no, of No, no, not even that. The because face of, mask. No, the face oh, mask. the face mask would, The breaks. face mask would just... There you go. Like, like, a couple of the bars would just... You know, come come from attached or something like that. And you would have to hit somebody mm. with your bare face. That is insane. And even funnier is the fact that he actually had to get, like, I guess, pushed off like a fat penguin. Like a fat <laughs> penguin who can't, like, literally <laughs> waddle on his own. He's like on a knee, and Taylor Hall comes around and like digs in and literally slides him across the ice. That was fantastic. That was the best part of the game. It really was kind of fun. <laughs> so crazy. Te- so technically, Linus and the Swayman get the shutout yeah. last night. Uh, but Which after- is bullcrap, but whatever. Well, I'm, I'm with you on For that. Three it's minutes. mere semantics, yeah. I suppose. But uh, after the game, Andrew Raycroft on Nesson talked to Linus Olmark about everything. What was up with the skate? 
but I want to go to the third period and the skate blowout that you had. I, I was looking forward to you making a couple saves with no skate. I mean, it's a, it's an easy game for you right now. Let's take one of your skates off. But what was going through your mind while that was happening? You know what? It was the first time that ever happened to me. And to be completely honest, I had no idea what the ruling was. But the ref was calling it that he can't blow it. So I just have to get back into the net as quick as possible. And, you know, with one skate, that's not as easy as people think it is. And all of a sudden, you're standing there, or basically you're sitting because you can't stand up. And it's hard to move around, and guys were just yelling to ice it. Well, your buddy Jeremy came in and made a big save for you guys to keep the dual shutout going. The other thing I was really hoping for, and I'm not, was there any talk of a line change, uh, a change on the fly? That would have been incredible. No, I don't think. I don't even know what the ruling is for that one. Are, cool. are we allowed to do that? I'm not sure. But that would that would have <laughs> been fantastic. Uh, but it's never going to happen. <laughs> I like a razor went into full talk show mode where he, he made a suggestion, but he didn't even know if it was legal, but it, w- yeah. it would have been pretty cool. Uh, also, Charlie McAvoy potted one uh, yesterday as well. Amber 37 on the Twitch chat. And good morning to the Twitchers. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. His comment is McAvoy's goal was the best part of last night's game. And I think Charlie McAvoy actually agrees in terms of scoring. Well, are you kidding? Uh, scoring goals is the funnest thing in the game, right? Like, it takes you back to when you're a mini mic. It doesn't matter if you're five years old or 25. Scoring goals is fun. So it's nice to see everybody scoring goals, and you see that, you know, the joy. This almost felt like, uh, so Lindholm gets the first one. His was pretty nice. Makes his defender look silly, goes right by him, mm-hmm. and he gets the goal. And then McAvoy's was almost almost like a coast-to-coast type type deal, Right. right. Like, passes it to himself, like makes an humble. I mean, it was almost like one guy was trying to, uh, you know, you know, uh, kind of like you know, you know, impress the other guy. Like, oh, you thought that was good? Oh, watch this. That was amazing. He looked like the talented offensive player that gets out of the penalty box and is able to grind it out in the corner. And then you're right, go end to end to be able to at least get a shot on goal. In this instance, it was uh, putting it in the back of the net. And for the Bruins, it's beating up on another bad team. You've got, you mentioned, you know, Hampus play great. Linus once again. They're just rolling right now. And even with a bum skate, Linus Olmark still finds a way to get a win. 25 wins, second fastest in NHL history. We'll continue to unpack all that. So that was uh, the big thing. It happened last night. On Saturday night uh, against Toronto, the Celtics really had to survive. They won 106-104, but uh, injuries were a massive part of this game. Uh, Marcus Smart gets dinged up. I know Robert Williams got dinged up. And it was the bench. It was Peyton Pritchard and your guy, Foyer, Malcolm mm-hmm. Brogdon, really coming through in the clutch so that the Celtics didn't have that winning streak snapped. And it wasn't so much that Toronto was the better team. It's sort of the war of attrition for the Celtics right now. You take X amount of guys out of the lineup, but there's at least enough bench, unlike there was last year, to be able to survive nights like Saturday night. So the Celtics bench outscored the Toronto Raptors bench 62-14. to 14. Mm. 62-14. to 14. So Brogdon had 23, Grant Williams 25, Pritchard jumps in with 12, and then he included like a late three-pointer to really kind of seal the deal. And, of course, uh, Al Horford gets that late steal. No, that's what it was about. And you go back to last year, like one of their biggest issues during the season, and more importantly, during the playoffs, their bench let them down. That part of their 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 game is fixed. Their bench is strong. Yep. It is real strong. 
Grant Williams, like, he's got that corner three, but he's even better now. He's like the second part of his game that is starting to show up day in, night in, and every single opportunity he gets is his post game, his ability to get to the hoop. That's been significant. Pritchard is almost like a, and oh, by the way, like, I don't expect anything from Pritchard. I don't. I don't expect anything from him. The fact that he gave you 12 points in that situation was great, but I don't really – that that's not something I rely on. That's why you don't Brogdon, trade the guy. Well, yeah, you know, because last week we were talking about a possible trade, and I was right. like, ah, for what, though? You, you know, he's still a rookie. Just keep him. Like, eventually you, you may need him, and he may come up, you know, big for you, what you did. Uh, you know, uh, was it Saturday night? Yes, yeah, Saturday I can't remember. Toronto, I feel like it was yeah. so long ago. Yeah, but so to me it was all about the bench. That area, and Brogdon just continues to impress. 23 points every single opportunity he gets. He's proving that he will probably win sixth man of the year. Like, he will. At the beginning, I was like, and Grant Williams is another guy that if Brogdon wasn't on the bench and, and wasn't so strong, he would have an opportunity to do that, but his points aren't enough. Well, that's, Brogdon's the guy. That's why they went and got Brogdon, because you realize that Grant Williams is a nice player. Sometimes you got to start him. Sometimes he's off the bench, but he's not someone that you can count on consistently to score. That's what they've now got in Malcolm Brogdon. And the Seas survive Toronto. They'll take on Orlando tonight. We'll get to the injury updates, hopefully by, you know, 1 o'clock before we're out of here, too. We have an idea as to who might be in, who's out for the Celtics, and also for Orlando as well. They're a young team, but they've had some injuries, might have some returns tonight as well. So the Celts will take on Orlando, who in record-wise doesn't look great, but, boy, they're acquiring a lot of talent down there in the uh, Magic Kingdom. Uh, By the way, apparently the, uh, what was it, the flume ride down at the Magic Kingdom, I guess, is gone, whatever in the world that the is flume ride whatever the water ride down there splash mountain? there you go yeah i guess splash mountain it. is gone by, by why people, is splash mountain gone i don't know they're shutting Stop it down it. there were people lined up yesterday for like a mile to go on the thing one final time wait are you saying oh so it's because that the so splash mountain is uh i mean that is in the spirit of an old old uh disney movie called song of the south okay which has uh, well, it is. It's got. It's How got, uh, in the hell do you know? It is. This? It is because the song that they sing is uh, "Zippity Doodah" on that ride. Well, yeah, no, it's called "Song of the South," and the the main character is this rabbit who jumps in a briar patch to get away. It's a whole thing, right? So it's it's the who influence is from a. And here's rabbit. the thing. Well, the thing is, they don't even they don't even. Uh, there's a lot of racial undertones in that movie. Oh, of course. Okay, and a lot of them and they don't even release that movie anymore. That's the one movie from Disney that th- that you can't find anywhere. Oh, you can find I every single it. movie, but the one where you won't say it's Bring up Zippity Doodah. Find Zippity Doodah. Oh, here we go. Okay, no, no, well you brought it up. Okay, so I didn't know that this ride was like disappearing and I'm sure they're going to replace it with something more I don't know, accepted by everybody. That and if you go on that ride, there are no Racial undertones, uh, undertones to the ride itself. It you just, it's like uh, a small world, but with a big giant. This is it right here. <laughs> this is it. This is what you hear in that stupid ride. It's insane. So they got rid of it. Yeah, they did because the name is, and the guy that sings is this big black guy, you know, and he's from the south and he sings zippity doodah. That's it. Says there. Why re- is the zippity doodah? Hold on. Part? It it says there the. Zip. 
They're this redoing it. it. Apparently, they're redoing Splash Mountain, according to some texters, shutting it down, but reopening it with some other name and theme. And then the, the 603, also, it's falling apart. So there is that as well. So anyway, the Magic Kingdom will deal with the Celtics tonight, uh, that being the Orlando Magic. And we're going to really get to this at 11 o'clock because, folks, there is one piece of audio that you must hear from what was an uncomfortable Red Sox winter weekend in Springfield foyer where John Henry is maybe realizing why he doesn't go out in public very often. Uh, this was, uh, was, should this have been predictable? Did you, because it was, this was next level amount of, it's almost like all the frustration um, for like the past year was just all the fans had an opportunity to voice their frustration. Mm-hmm. And what's what usually is this like kumbaya, feel good, everybody comes back, it's winter weekend, hey, camp's yep. like a, spring training's a month away, let's all get excited about the season. Get an autograph but from they, Lou Maloney yeah, right here. But, but they've been, they've been the, the, but they've been like, I guess just fooled. They, they probably feel like a bunch of suckers. Like if the Patriots had a, what is called a spring weekend, a summer weekend, similar to what the Red Sox have, there you think there'd be booze with them? Well, what mm. just happened with all the you know the Matt Patricia and the Joe Judge and the gaslighting that existed? Oh, oh yeah, you think there'd be? I feel like the, the the Patriot fans are different. I don't think they'd boo, but I think the Red Sox almost feel like it's part of their DNA to boo and to yell and to scream. And hey, we're gonna make you pay for putting out such a crappy product. We're gonna make you. We're gonna show you how frustrated we are by you guys telling us that you were gonna sign Xander Bogarts with really having no intentions of doing it. Like I was watching it the entire week, and I was listening to Ken and Curtis. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was like ownership was up on the stage, GMs, managers, all the David Ortiz, and they're just booing all of them. Explain yourself. Pretty amazing. Do it. It really is, and we will have the the audio to unpack at eleven o'clock because I think John Henry is realizing. Oh man, I got a real problem here. When you combine the Winter Classic with what is supposed to be a friendly crowd in Springfield that clearly wasn't. We're here to celebrate you. Yeah. This is a, this no. is a whole, a, hey, let's uh. get ramped up for the season. Hey, everybody's back, guys. We're getting ready to go to, to Florida to practice, to, to put a great product out on the field, and nobody's happy about it. I wonder if uh, Bloom said, hey, we're going to do it, and it's going to be awesome. I don't know if he rolled that one out again like he did at the yeah. press conference uh, about a week or so ago, but – We will get to Red Sox Winter Weekend coming up at 11. Don't forget you can watch us on Twitch. Good morning to the Twitchers. Follow WEEI on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. You can also text us at 37937 and listen to us on the Odyssey app because we're going to get into the football coming up. But Fourier, AFC and NFC Championship games are set. And I would like to congratulate all of Bill's Mafia and all of the Buffalo Bills fans everywhere on being the kings of the wild card round. Congratulations, Buffalo. Excellent. Well done. Same old Bills. Good for you. Same old Bills. Oh, my God. They got Steph Diggs, and they got this guy, and they got that guy, Mm -hmm. and they can't Can't win at home and score 10 points. Oh, my goodness. How delicious was that? All those Bills Mafia dopes. Sucking the hot dogs up their noses, 
power bombing each other through tables, and they get him. They get a team at home in the snow. Oh my god! It was That's perfect a peanut for you. butter on oh, the nipple yeah. moment, and they <laughs> just soil the back of their britches collectively. Yeah, I tell you, oh, how it was the perfect. Was it? There were so many beautiful aerial shots of that stadium with the snow and the yes. lights. You're like, wow, this is tailor made for Buffalo. How romantic! Is, yes. Exactly. Oh, oh they got they got Demar Hamlin up in the up in the suites. You know, with the snow coming down, he's doing the heart signal. You're like. Let's do this like you had every single opportunity and advantage, except you didn't have Joe Burrow. Beautiful. (laughs) Well, we're going to get to Joe Burrow because he is drawing some comparisons. Uh, We had a Saturday of, oh, the teams that lost tried hard. On Sunday, it is two teams that are very similar who have hit a same glass ceiling, but maybe for different reasons. We will unpack the NFL playoffs with you at 617-779-7937. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. But one more time, it's Kansas City playing for the AFC Championship. Andy Reid's amazing, isn't he? Mike Tirico with the final call of the Kansas City-Jacksonville game. That's where we begin talking about NFL Division around weekend. 10-23, Gresham Fourier here with you. Good morning to all the affiliates across the board. You can listen on the Odyssey app, 103.7 down in Providence, 105.5 FM. Real busy this weekend out there in Springfield with the uh, Red Sox oh, yeah. winter weekend. And, of course, Worcester, Cape, and the Islands up in New Hampshire and in the uh, great state of Maine. And Fourier, I figure the Kansas City-Jacksonville probably needs the least amount of analysis from us because, for me, you can tell Jacksonville they just weren't ready for the moment to go into Arrowhead, into Kansas City, and get a win. And it felt like every time Jacksonville scored, Kansas City countered right away. Even if it was they put up a touchdown went down and kicked a field goal. Whatever it was, it felt like whatever Jacksonville had for them, like if Kansas City needed to score 35 to win, they would have found a way to get the 35 points and win the game. Yet Jacksonville was hanging around but never really in the game, if you know what I mean. I felt like they they missed out on an unbelievable opportunity because – Wow. Because, yeah, because uh, the, the best player in football, like, got hurt early on, and you're like, all right, good, at least we can – at least we don't have to deal with that guy, okay? That guy, the way he extends plays, just everything about him is great. But sure as hell, Henny, Chad Henny comes in, like 15 years in the league, something crazy, and he goes 97 yards and gets him a touchdown. You're like, holy crap, you had them backed up. You should have been off the field. No, so they sure as hell, they get seven points. They pad their lead, and you're still thinking, okay, even if Patrick Mahomes comes back, he's going to be severely limited, What she was. But he still starts making plays. I thought they missed out on an opportunity, but you're right. I felt like uh, they missed a uh, the Christian Kirk drops a, like an <clears throat> an easy catch on a bomb from Trevor Lawrence. They <clears throat> they fumble the ball inside the ten yard line, which could have given given them points. Mm-hmm. So they made it interesting, and I would have all out blitzed Patrick Mahomes. So much just to force the issue with him and his hurt ankle. They he were a, afraid to do. They, that. It's like they didn't want to do it. So I felt like they, they missed opportunities. But really, yeah, he's okay. I get he can still throw from the pocket, but the best part about him is his ability to improvise. Well, don't you think that Kansas they just didn't City, do it? Even though Kansas City let Tyreek Hill go, 
they still have home run hitters. And I think a part of the fear, just thinking out loud, is that if Jacksonville gets caught in the wrong blitz to either the wrong screen or the wrong, you know, jet sweep handoff, something like that, that there are too many guys out of position, Kansas City hits the home run. It felt like there was a little bit of the, let's keep it in front of us if we're Jacksonville. As long as they ain't behind us, they can't kill us. But if we keep them in front of us, we might have a chance to manage this. I thing. just thought that they just they should have just attacked him and forced the issue. And let's see, because I've had multiple ankle injuries like that. We've seen other people have him. And the fact that he went in tells me that he obviously got some Toradol and some extra strength Tylenol. Okay, probably got himself in that. That's the only freaking way he comes back, Resh, right? He probably, the general, you know, the general rule. Took some anison. You take you take that. Most guys, even if they're not hurt, they take a tortle shot, okay, yeah, which yeah. is a really strong anti-inflammatory. And it just make, I don't care what kind of aches and bruises you have. You don't feel any of it until like Monday afternoon. For those who are wondering, if for those who have never been a professional athlete, it's like when you go to the dentist and they numb you up. That's essentially exactly what yes, it is. Just a different kind of cave. Fabulous. Or okay. doll at the and end of you, the drug. And if you pair that, I'm not telling kids to do this. Don't do it, okay? But if you pair that up with, like, some, I don't know, just Vicodin or extra strength Tylenol, which you, which is safe if you take it with the you know permission of a doctor, will remove all the pain and all the fear. So you're able to go out there in an unbelievable challenging contest and, like, perform. And he's still hobbling. They should have attacked him. They should have made him freak out. They should have made him worried about hurting it worse. And there are even these quick little slip screens and these quick little throws to the side that he was short-arming because he couldn't he couldn't step into them. I just felt like they could have made it more interesting. They could have forced the issue. They could have really made them panic a little bit, and they didn't do it. So uh, I wonder if uh, Patrick Mahomes will be getting a uh, a surgery a la Mac Jones or or will uh, push back on that. Or who knows, maybe all the Kansas City fans will be like all the Zappy fans around here and go nuts and be screaming for Chad Henney. No way. Came in to play. I mean, why not? It's the exact you, same thing. This is, these situations in a in like the bubble of a, a, of a game, uh, okay, listen, of like a two-hour span – I'm going to do what I need to take to win. You're going to play out of your mind and then we're going to just uh we're just going to make this work. All right. Drugs wear off, reality sinks in that Cincinnati is actually going to game plan for Chad Henney. Good freaking luck. Right. Now, I'm not saying that he he can't you know, be productive, but it's a significant drop off, right? Yeah, Mahomes will be in there. We'll see what level he's at come Sunday afternoon, but yeah, I, I only kid because, again, everybody around here went crazy for the backup. So who knows? Maybe Henny Mania will run wild in Kansas City here before the uh, the AFC Championship game. And then for you on that second game on Saturday, well, the Giants went into Philadelphia. And this is the legend, Merrill Reese, on our sister station, WIP in Philly. This is first pass of the game to let you know everything you need to know. As Hertz takes the snap, he's back, he's looking, he is going deep, looking for Devontae Smith, who has it, all the way down at the 35-yard line. Yeah. Brought down by Julian Love, but what a connection on the first pass of the game for 41 yards. He lines up in a very tight split, and he just 
runs by the defense. This is just one of these plays where you allow him to run that deep post or over route, and he just runs by love, the safety. He doesn't have the speed to stay up with Devontae Smith. You got the answer to the question. Is there anything wrong with his shoulder? Nothing. More. So oh, wow, you got, I mean, there. so there you go. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. I mean, Philly was up 28 nothing. It was cruise control over. after that. That that was, um, they were a little starstruck. They were a little like, uh, you know, look, it's like they were staring at headlights, right? You know, for some train coming out. The Giants. At them. The Giants were. Yeah. They're not ready at all. Phillies, man, they're, they're a lot better. I, it's funny, like, so when Jalen Hurts got hurt, you're thinking like, okay, you know, all those wins were, you know, didn't exist, but they're better than I thought they were. And, you know, and the Giants, you listen, they, they made the playoffs after what they went through the year before. They should year. be they should be so happy. Mm-hmm. The only thing they're doing right now is going, holy crap, how are we going to compete with Philly for the next some odd years? Whatever. That's what they're thinking. Yep. Because they're not going anywhere. A.J. Brown's not going anywhere. Devontae Smith isn't going anywhere. Jalen Hurts in his third year. I mean, talk about – you know what the funny thing is? Philly, is that two first-round picks, by the way, as well. The, it's amazing one that of they, them they is have num- that. One of them number 10 from New Orleans. There was somebody sent out this tweet. I didn't even really know who it was. I liked it. I should probably try to find it. It was like the University of Alabama is, like, taking credit for, uh, for like, Jalen Hurts. It's, it has something to do with, like, so Jalen Hurts was, what, like, the first uh, first Alabama quarterback to win a playoff game since, like, 1960. Something insane. Wow. It was insane the amount of, uh, oh, here it is. Jalen Hurts is the first Alabama quarterback to win an NFL playoff game since Richard Todd. Anybody remember Richard Todd? Yeah, Richard Todd. It was the 80s, wasn't it? It was the Jets. From You're right. You're because right. Ken and, Stabler would have been right. the other Alabama quarterback to right. one before that. Yeah, good job by you. Led the Jets past the Raiders in 1983. Wow. So the big th- debate going on right now is like, who actually can claim Jalen Hurts? Is it the University of Oklahoma or is it Alabama? And the other part is like, that's the last time an Alabama quarterback with all those studs, with all those first-round draft picks, that's the first guy to win a to win a playoff game in the NFL. Well, Greg Seems amazing. Greg McElroy was close, I'm sure. Well, I'm I mean, uh, I mean, maybe because he backed up by Andy Dalton. And remember, for, and remember, for a healthy chunk of those years, uh, Alabama was not very good. I mean, like he came out of Gene Stallings. I was and say there Gene was the, Stallings. the Dennis Francione era, and then remember that guy got punted for I don't know. Was he another one? Like, did they just run him, or was that kind of like a? Uh, Doggone it. The guy who ended up at UTEP, he was at Washington State, but he went to uh, Alabama and then left. Mike Price. Ooh. Remember, he was there for about five minutes. And I don't wow. know if it was uh, an unzip situation going on there or whatever. But nevertheless, Alabama is a monolith now. And um, I hey, just look, thought it was amazing with all Jaylen those first round picks. He He's, played well, but he didn't play great. He did enough to be able to win, but fine. Their, look. Where is Philly dominating lines of scrimmage? Again, it isn't sexy. People want to go crazy over wide receivers and running backs and da-da-da. Where is Philly killing people right now? They dominated offensively on the line of scrimmage. They ran it for over 200, but they added Sue, and they added another big body in there. His name is slipping me. We're on the defensive line. They're now better equipped to deal with the run because Jordan Davis, the big kid, I think got hurt. I can't remember if he came back. But they added some beef along the D-line as well, and that's where Philadelphia is smacking people around. 
running well, the they, ball they ton. Are, they, they are definitely the uh, the favorite. But for a while, all I heard around here on sports radio was you got to throw to win. Run games don't matter. <laughs> really? Look at what happened in look at happened with Cincinnati. Look at Philadelphia. Look at San Francisco. I know we're going to get to those other two games, but. Running the ball and staying balanced matters. Ask Josh Allen if he'd like isn't, to have isn't, 30 carries for 120 yards a game. Isn't that funny, though, like when it really – so you can get by with slinging it all over the place. You can get by with taking advantage of a team that has weak to non-existent corners you know, that just can't cover and don't know how to tackle in space. But then when you get into the playoffs, like the same old, like, you know – Adage still holds up. Can I give you the it four holds up? Can it, I give you the four changes. things I learned in college in '92? Okay, it was if you want to win consistently, if you run the ball, you stop the run, you win the turnover ratio. It sounds like Bill, and you win on special teams. That's what I was taught in '92 when our coach was like, "Here's kind of the blueprint," and he would say, "Because if we run it." We're going to work play action. If we stop the run, they'll be in third and long. If we win the turnover ratio, numbers are in our favor to be able to win close games, and special teams is the deciding factor with hidden yards. Normally, if you're pretty good at those four metrics on the whole, you got a chance to win consistently at any level. No, it, it is, and uh, I remember even, uh, I don't know when it was, uh, we were talking to, we used to talk to Michael Lombardi on every Friday, and he was basically mocking the idea of uh, teams run. Oh, it was, it was the Tennessee Titans when they finally ended up losing to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, and the Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl. They they made they made it to the to the AFC Championship game by running it primarily. That was it. They ran the ball. They played good defense. They didn't turn it over. They were good on special teams. They didn't need bells and whistles. They didn't need the new innovative like you know play scheme. They didn't need it. They knew who they were. They owned it, and they played to their strengths. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty freaking simple because when I look at, like, all the teams, all the teams that advance all do that. Cincinnati will get to, like, uh, taking advantage of turnovers. Buffalo with the loss. Turnovers. Like, Josh Allen has just disappeared. Uh, I mean, even, um, uh, you know, San Francisco, they all have – Dallas. It's like you just can't keep turning it over. Right. You can't get paid that much money, Dak Prescott, and keep turning it over. It just doesn't work. You get paid too much money. So to me, I'm with you. It just cracks me up with all the metrics and all the you know the stats and information and you know surrender index that you see by all these knuckleheads out there on Twitter. Try coaching a team. Try coaching a team and put up those stupid stats about surrender index and passing on this and doing on that. If you're not willing to get your nose bloodied, especially in the winter, you have no chance of making that or, or advancing. It just doesn't exist. So that gets us right into Cincinnati and Buffalo because Buffalo had, uh, you know, Allen had the turnover late, but they got down and then they couldn't figure out how to put anything together consistently on offense. Steph Diggs was pretty much a no-show, four catches on 10 targets. Hey, listen, I don't think uh, Cincinnati is great on defense, but they did a great job of frustrating Diggs to the point to where when Josh Allen did throw that interception, Stephon Diggs was ranting and raving and going nuts on the sideline. Diggs, after the game, apparently he was out of the locker room so quick that I think it's Duke Johnson who was on their practice squad, had to grab him, 
pull him back in for whatever McDermott had to say, and then Steph Diggs got the hell out of there. And after the game, Sean McDermott was asked about his little hissy fit on the sideline. That's what makes him good is is what you saw. Is he's very competitive, like we all are. Uh, we work extremely hard at these jobs to, to to be the best we can possibly be, and it hurts. And um, you know, I, uh, I wouldn't want a guy that it, it doesn't hurt, right? So. Um, he put it all on the line out there. We put it all on the line, and tonight it wasn't good enough. And uh, um, you know, that's that's the part that stings. Yeah, so guys like that always drove me nuts because this is when I need you to, to kind of calm down. This is when I need you to be, you know, have your wits about you. This is when I need you to just not to, you know, not be so emotional. Like we're all trying to win. I'm trying to get you the ball. I threw it to you ten times. Okay, they're obviously doing something. Uh, that is, uh, that is, uh, you know, causing us not to be as successful. Okay, so fine. And you know what? They had a good game plan, and I suck right now. Like that is that is the other aspect of mm-hmm. it. But what le- But for me, for Cincinnati, is the thing that stands out is just Joe Burrow. It's the obvious one for me. Joe Burrow. They're down three starting offensive tackles. Sorry, not offensive. Three no, offensive, offensive linemen, linemen. Three offensive linemen. Three backups started it, that game it yesterday. Just doesn't matter. And people will like to draw comparisons to the greats of the past, like even the present, like a Tom Brady, like a Joe Montana, like a Aaron Rodgers. To me, the thing about Brady that made him special is that even if you had issues on your offensive line, it just didn't matter. He was just he knew where to throw the ball. And he he had receivers that knew where to go under those circumstances. He got the ball out on average two point five seconds it took him to get the ball out. Two point five seconds. He just just darts it out there. It doesn't matter. I mean, they had the same issue last year. They went to the Super Bowl. And the thing that stands out to me is I feel like the after it's all said and done, I feel like the NFL has a Cincinnati Bengals problem. I don't think the NFL wants the Cincinnati Bengals to be the darling of the NFL. I don't think they want Cincinnati to be uh, like the next like up-and-coming team. This is market-sized deal. I just feel like it's like God, we thought it was a fluke. We thought it was like last year was a fluke. The way they beat Tennessee, the way they advance, even against uh, you know, you know, the way they advance, the way they beat the Raiders last year. That two of the first games were like almost flukish, and then they actually beat you know uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime with Jamar Chase and and with their kicker. It was amazing. I don't feel like the the NFL wants them there. I don't know how you feel what you what you see uh, with them. Look, I think if uh, Pittsburgh is a similar city of size, and I know they go back with a much more rich history than the Bengals, where most people grew up with the Bengals as losers and the Steelers as winners. Um, I think it's okay because it's really about the star power of Joe Burrow. And after the game on CBS, they asked Joe Burrow about the neutral site possibilities. And yeah, he, yep, yep. We talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. Yeah, boy, See, there isn't he is. That, that's more, it. Isn't that, that Brady does that all the time. He holds on to something. He doesn't mention it. And when he is successful or he wins, he throws it in your face. There's more, at, like, from the videos to, like, you know, post-game press conferences. He, they just don't talk about it and credit Zach Taylor. But then, actually, when it's all said and done and it's safe to kind of 
mock people mm-hmm. for using it with the tickets. He says, well, yeah, well, you know, those refunds. Well, yeah, get those refunds back. You know, you guys didn't want us here. Here we are. Well, you know what? And you mentioned Zach Taylor. He talked about it post game as well. And after you hear this, it was evident the rallying cry was about this whole neutral field game. For the neutral site, I mean, yeah, we, we just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and and uh, it it, I, it is it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral site games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody, and I hate that for for people that have to endure all those logistical issues. And then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. Dude, that is Bill. That is so condescending and passive aggressive. It's the same script, Gresh. It is. It's the same script. And the players are doing it. The quarterback is doing it. And your coach is doing it. Hey, with a straight face. That's amazing. Uh, I'm just sorry, you know. Guy, you know those guys got to keep changing those plans, and I don't know what to do. Like I know they're they're working their ass up, but man, we just keep screwing it up for them. God, oh shucks. That is a script from the Patriots over the last twenty years. They rallied around that, for, of course. And they, what are the what are the page? We rallied around a stupid fake uh, parade parade that that the that they were still doing here in the city of Boston. And you took the cheese, didn't you? Willingly. <laughs> Give me more. I want more. Yep. There's a video of that going around that actually shows me, and I am so dead serious. But I can't believe these guys think they can just play a parade. Like, hey, we haven't played the game yet. Who do they think they are? That was also your first Super Bowl too. So uh, there was no. That was my second one. Wait, was that 04? Oh, oh, that's one. right. It was the second one. Sorry, the first yeah, one was in I was Houston. Really brainwashed by then. Got it. Oh, oh you yeah, were, I was one hundred percent. You were like a zombie. I was like. Oh. They think we suck. You guys won 21 <laughs> games in a row. We are not good. We won that. We were the first. We we're the number one seed. Oh, we suck still. It's amazing. <laughs> we keep winning. We lost two games. We got lucky. We will get to. Uh, we will get to Dallas and San Francisco a little bit, but also some Patriot news as well that we got to run by Christian and you next. W-E-E-I, W-E-E-I, New England Sports Original. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier. On W-E-E-I. And streaming on W-E-E-I.com. Back to your thoughts on your coach Mike McCarthy. Does a result like this change anything in your mind with him? No. No. No, not at all. And um, uh, their decision to, uh, for the, our kicker was exonerated with his... A field goal in my mind, and I'm proud for him. Uh, but uh, this is uh, this is very uh, sickening to uh, not win tonight. Oh, we'll hear the response that made John Henry sick coming up in uh, ten minutes. But that was old Jared Jones. Hey, I know you don't ask me about how terrible this was, but I'll tell you, I'm vindicated by the kicker, and we'll just look the other way that I'm the only owner slash general manager in the league, let alone the only one to do press conference five minutes after the game and to tell you Dak Prescott's still my guy. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, I'm going to pay him $32 million in salary. That's how much I believe in him, Foyer. Uh, I love it when the Dallas Cowboys lose. I love it when the Dallas Cowboys lose. It's glorious. It is, a, it is amazing when you think about how when was the last time that the, they were actually in an NFC championship game it was like – I don't know, the 80s or the 90s, 90s something or, or something like that. The last time they won the Super Bowl, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philly has done a better job at staying relevant than the Cowboys. Like, Philly, 
uh, even going back to the Steve McNair days, you going back to uh, hell like uh, we or Doug Peterson, mm-hmm. okay, and then they go ahead and now they're then they reset, they fire everybody, and then they're back at it again. I mean, out of all those three, of all the teams in the NFC, uh, what was it, NFC uh, East. East, like the Philly, Philly's like the best. Like the Cowboys are the worst. Who else is left? Who else is in that conference? Well, oh, the, oh, the Washington, commanders are oh, yeah. the commanders are terrible. No, the but, Giants are actually have done more than they have. But New York since and, New York and Dallas went to the same round of the playoffs this year. So if you're a Giant fan, you're like, hey, listen, you had a better regular season, but you putzes, you didn't win. The best part about that game was the last play. Yeah, the last play of that game. I don't know what the hell they were trying to do. But they were trying to do some sort of trick, razzle dazzle. Let's you know they had uh, Ezekiel were, Elliott snapping the ball. They were trying to run something a la Boise from when they were in the Fiesta Bowl twenty years ago or whatever it was. Well, now. yeah, it was. It, it was like they only had like three or four offensive linemen. So, so what happens is, so they go ahead. Ezekiel Elliott snaps it to Dak Prescott, and then I don't know who he ended up throwing it to, but he gets tackled right away. But then, you, as you, if you go back and watch it. Dak Prescott, it's almost like a weird version of a hook and ladder. That's what it was. Yeah. They it was were like, all right, up. so, and then Dak's going to get it, and then he's going to, because we're going to take some offense. Like, I was like, oh, what is this, Indianapolis, you know, like, you know, 2.0? Well, they made Dak ineligible on the play because he snapped the ball and, and got, got run trucked. over. It might be his last play as a Dallas Cowboy. trucked. Him getting uh, trucked on that final play. And Mike McCarthy cost his team on the low end 40 seconds, on the high end Maybe a minute 10 with the way he handled the two-minute warning with three timeouts. So not only at 2.50 on the clock does Dak Prescott get sacked, they then let the clock run all the way down to 2.11 before they punted. When they had three timeouts and the two-minute warning, they did it ass backwards. They used the two-minute warning as the first timeout when in reality you bang one of your three timeouts with 2.50 or when Dak gets sacked. Then you're punting. They're getting the ball with about 2.45 to go. You still have two timeouts, and then the two-minute warning is your last timeout to where they would then punt it back to you, and you'd have about 150 with no timeouts on the clock. Instead, this guy did it ass backwards. They got it back with 45 seconds. It couldn't do nothing. Stupid, Uh, stupid, stupid. That is why I think Mike McCarthy – so should be fired. Peyton, uh, what is it? Old Jerry said no. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. If you, I feel like if you, if you brought Sean Payton in there, like maybe he does a better job. Who, both guys won a Super Bowl. Both guys have had crappy years and good years. Maybe it doesn't change anything. Maybe you just need a better coach with Dak Prescott. Like how a guy can constantly so, throw so many picks and just think that like that is conducive to winning. He needs more weapons. He you needs mean, more weapons. Oh yeah, like Dak Prescott needs yep. more. How many? He's got two great backs. He's got a good tight end. He's got a he's got great wide receivers. Nah. What else? What else does he need? He's got a great wide receiver in Ceedee Lamb, and I would argue whether that guy would be great or not. Dalton Schultz is a nice player, but he's not an impact guy. You need better talent around that dude. No, oh, by the way, both running backs are free agents. 
So I'm just saying the talent I, would be the last need, thing I would say with a quarterback that's making close to forty million dollars a year. He needs uh, it. He should be able to get out of. He should probably make he should more out of what he's got. Yeah, uh, the salary is going up to thirty two million. I do believe oh next my year. Lord. By the way, if they get rid of Dak, it's like an eighty million dollar cap. They're it's not kind of like he's there Aaron for Rogers good. Right he's now. gonna he's gonna die with that star on his chest. Uh, but old Jerry Jones being like, well, this doesn't change anything with the coach. It's like, come on, man, <laughs> you gotta look in the mirror here and figure out how to get and who knows maybe he'll look at it and say i can have a first round pick or i can send my first round pick to new orleans and get the guy i've always wanted in sean payton no no uh, we'll see jara he always reserves the right to hey change my mind it is amazing to me that for some reason i'm curious to know if this will continue to happen for the patriots is that they have not done anything in forever they haven't won anything in forever. The Cowboys, yet they're still have not won so a division relevant. round game since '95. Yeah, it's like they're still relevant. They're still talking about them. It's like always the place to be. They always are up in the ratings. I just, it's like the. It, that's why I said the the NFL has a Cincinnati Bengals problem. They, I feel like, you know, the Bengals probably feel like they're overlooked, and it's like they're they haven't gotten enough respect. And then other teams with less get more attention. I don't know. It's just like the Dallas and like the Patriots. Like, are they going to continue to be relevant even though they're not winning? Well, that is an interesting question. And among the things that we will get to here today on Gretchen Fourier, we will get to Gerard Mayo sitting in on OC interviews. We'll do that coming up in a little over, uh, well, we'll do it in about 25 minutes from now when we get into something that has definitely got our attention in the, what Bill Belichick is doing with his assistant coaches this offseason. But up next, rough weekend for the Red Sox in what they thought would be a safe space at the winter weekend in Springfield. You will hear what went down next.